Do you have any other plans the rest of this, this year? This year? Yeah. Like, I'll just run fast and loose with everything. That's how you like your women too, fast and loose. Well, they're all loose if you've got a tiny <laughs> like me. <so. laughs> oh, I love it. You know what? Do we have any cameras rolling? We'll just start yeah. with that one. Yeah, We're just going to start it off right there. How you guys doing? This episode is sponsored by 10,000. <laughs> Are any of the cameras rolling? There's one rolling? Yeah, that's rolling? good oh, enough. Yeah, There's one rolling. <laughs> we're just going to start off with that. Are we even recording down here? Audio was recording, so we're going to start Ready? off with that. Everybody is fast and loose as long as you're with Willie. So we got Willie for number two here. I'm excited. If you guys don't know who Willie is, he's a bearded man. I hope he's going to be on here more often. I, I, I want him to try to like live in my basement. I don't have a basement. Live in my attic. Actually, kind of hot in the summertime. Live in a closet because at least there's AC'd. I'd like him to live here in the States and just work with me right here. If, if you guys enjoy Willie, please, if you don't, then I guess we'll never see him again. So that's pretty much the way this is going to work. <laughs> uh, I love Willie. Before he hopped on, he was wearing a dead Russian's helmet, which he said he didn't want to start the episode off like that. But at some point, you'll see him wearing a, a helmet that once belonged to a living Russian who is not with us anymore. I will say God rest his soul, I guess. Depends on what he was Still doing. a human being. Still right? a human being, so... That's pretty much, pretty much that. I, so there's been a lot of stuff going on with these tanks, and I know that you're going to take the lead on this whole tank subject because everybody's so excited over these tanks, and even the Russians have got themselves a little bit worked up over it, which is <laughs> kind of funny to me. <laughs> Mate, everyone, everyone's just stroked themselves over the thought of a tank. 14 of them, by the way. Four, yeah, 14 <laughs> tanks. Like, like, okay, they're great tanks. Tanks yeah. are great. We yeah. all like tanks. Tanks are great. Modern Battlefield, there are a lot of people talking about our tanks now useful because – You've got a $5,000 grenade launcher that will take out a $10 million tank or a $2,000 drone, drop a mortar around and potentially take out a tank. So there is, and I won't go into that, but the talk of our main battle tanks for the main, for the battlefield anymore, for the modern battlefield. I, I don't know. It, it's it's an interesting question. It depend maybe environmentally dependent. You, you, know, what, you know what I want to do? I want to pause go. you. I want to overlay a video a chunk of the there's a tank episode. You know the one I showed you guys. I sent you the link of with mm. the he's rolling through. I think it's it's a T ninety. Where was that at? Uh, uh, I think it's in Solidar on the west side. Was I think. it? It could. I could be wrong. Okay, so while you're talking your tank yeah. stuff, let's roll a little a little clip of that over overlay so you guys can see what tank modern day tanks actually look like on the battlefield, destroying yeah. a city for absolutely like if you. Did you watch the end to of rubble. the thing? It, it's, 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 it's so bad. Rubble. So, okay, yeah. keep going with your news. But, that, that's how, but uh, if tanks were going to make a big difference, they would... Look Look at Russia's... Russia's army has the most amount of tanks in the world. And people will say that the Russian tanks are terrible and useless. There are ones that are, but T-90s and T-90Ms are good tanks. Really? They are good tanks. They have their faults, but a lot of the faults are for when they were built for. They were not built for top attack weapons. So, you know, they've got a lot of armor in the front, not a lot of armor on top. But if tanks were going to be the decisive factor in this war, and that alone, well, they won it would have been won by now. And, and you know, Poland, sorry, Ukraine has more updated T-72s that we haven't seen used in a massive amount because of the absolute tragedy of how Russia's been losing their tanks. But the tanks, the tanks, the 14 ones, <laughs> we don't know even what type. We know they're German. They're we know leopards, they're leopards. But there's so many different variations of this leopard. Well, the le you've got Leopard 1, which was mid-60s, was built, and then the Leopard 2s started mid-70s, which was just an updated version. And now I believe we're up, you know, we had 2A1, 2A, and we're up 2A7, which is the most modern tank. And 
realistically, arguably a better tank than the Abrams. I know the Americans here won't like me saying that, but it's a lot more modern built than the Abrams. And depending on the variant of Abrams, some would some would say it's a it's a better a better tank. And at least in my opinion, it is a significantly better tank if supplied to Ukraine, primarily due to well, it's fuel efficiency. And this has always been the big draw factor on the heavy, slow Abrams. The Abrams in a desert environment, unbeatable, unkillable in many regards. But it uses 0.6 miles per gallon, which is just insane. And someone's filling that up. Someone's paying for it to be full and someone's there, well, maybe not with a jerry can, but a fuel truck to fill it up. You, you, the logistics in the war, I know, I know us infantrymen like to crap on about like, you know, where it, but logistics is what makes the war start and stop, especially with vehicles like this. And a Leopard 2, at least the most modern one I could find, depending on the engine variant, it has 1.07 miles per gallon. So you're talking almost double the range. And that makes a huge difference in a war like this. Now, I know the Abrams turbine engines and all this has had you know separate fuel issues and you can use a variety of fuels or whatever. But I believe that that, vehicle built for European conditions. The Abrams was built, you know, for the United States and for, you know, export into wars that we were involved in at the time. These leopards were built in Germany. The environment in Germany, the snow, the mud, whatever, is a more similar environment to what we see in Ukraine on the Russian border. So it's probably a better thing. But I think what people are leaving out is that this is being held somewhat hostage by the Germans. The Polish were the ones that stuck their hand up and said, we're happy to supply tanks. And that's what got shared everywhere. But at the end of the day, the rights to the Leopard platform is Germany. It's like if Australia said, we want to supply our Abrams. We can't do that. The Americans own our Abrams. Little known fact is the, I don't know, I think it's 56, but it's around 60 Abrams tanks in Australia. I know, settle down, we're a small country. <laughs> we're a small country. And we always say, if our Abrams are deploying on our soil, we're stuffed anyway. We're, we're ringing America, like, come and help. But at the end of the day, Germany is the one who pulled the trigger on, yes, they can go, or well, no, they can't. And Germany has basically come back, like with a lot of stuff throughout this war, where Germany has been holding up supply of things, has said, well, if America supplies Abrams, will supply leopards or we will let the leopards go forward. Which, in my opinion, and this is, you know, me just alleging things, they're shifting the blame onto America. We know fairly well America is not going to supply Abrams tanks. You know, fairly confident and they won't do that. But now they can say, well, they can shift the blame. Or if, well, we would have if they did, so it's their fault. It's just like if I hit up if I hit up one of your mates and it's like, well, I'll give you five grand if he gives me five grand. And then I'm like, oh, he's the reason you never got your money well, hang on, settle down. Like that, you can't just shift blame. So that's sort of what's happened and that's where the tanks have been held up. And same with Finland. Finland has announced like, oh, we, we will happily supply tanks as well, but we're not going to supply many if they go through because we've not been fully accepted into NATO yet. We still need to defend our border, which is fair enough from Finland. Massive border with Russia and a lot of bloody history on that border too. So the tanks are being held hostage somewhat. And were the 14 tanks going to make a difference? Well, sure, to a degree. Were they going to be the silver bullet in this warfare? No. The silver bullet in this warfare is who can last the longest, who can just keep pushing and keep the pressure on, keep the supply up and the lights on and their people on their side. That That's what's going to change the tide, not, not these tanks. Although it was exciting news. Oh, my God. That was a... 
<laughs> that was you did a little bit of research on that, a little bit more than I was anticipating. No, you, you know, was, never underestimate. Never underestimate. Do you want to know how many Leopard twos were built? I, I am. I, there's how many? Thirty six hundred were built of one at least one of the variants. I know they're still like the two A sevens are still being yeah. like, producing whatever, but th that's still a lot. Of, a lot. So of they have thirty six hundred. Oh, there's thirty six hundred out. Thirty six hundred being produced. Okay, the export market because even Australia. We used to have leopard, I believe, leopard ones before we went to the Abrams. And a lot of people said in Australia that our biggest regret was actually getting Abrams tanks, moving massive distances in a massive country where our supply is nowhere near, you know, America's ability to supply with all towns, that they're not a good option for us because how the hell are we going to get fuel to that in the middle of the desert? I mean, why, why do you, you guys don't need tanks for anything. Like you what guys, you what do you guys need tanks for? <laughs> like, there's a case. I guess maybe a handful to to protect the ports. I guess if something well, were to really. Well, we only happen. ever the last tanks we deployed was Vietnam. We deployed uh, crews into Iraq, like our tank crews to man American Abrams tanks, but that was it. it it's too much for us to. What are you gonna like a C seventeen can take what one Abrams? Like yeah. we're not. It's, it's not worth us doing that. <laughs> no. And that's the reason we don't. That's the reason we don't have a massive amount of them. But we've got a lot of well coming in infantry fighting vehicles is, you know, it is a better option for defence of the nation. But all our money, realistically, like I'm pretty pro-army in Australia, but all the, all the money gets funded, Air Force, Navy. What's going to stop an attack into Australia? If someone lands, we're gone. But that aside, there's a lot more in this story about the leopards than, than we would like to think. But at least they're still being produced. There's parts produced, whatever, which, as far as I'm aware on the Abrams, what's been built has been built. That's it. And that, that stopped... 10, 20 years ago. Yeah, but they don't really need to do anything different with the Abrams. No, but as far as supply and whatever else is coming in is, is continually like update, but they're also stripping down old ones to send in. And realistically, what platform, when when the war or when the war ends and Ukraine, however Ukraine looks, whether it's the full country or whatever, however it looks, realistically, what platform is that country going to look for to supply in? It's, well, it, it's not going to be T-series tanks, we know that. It, it's probably going to be leopards. So, you know, getting yeah. getting them in now, well, that's... It's probably a better bet. That actually probably is a better bet. You know, I know you don't follow... Uh, it's probably probably Russian propaganda as much as I do. I, I'm, I'm pretty much a connoisseur of this on a daily basis. And, and my camera guy absolutely loves it. But I have... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you some bits and pieces of, of one of my favorite guys. This is the Andrew Tate this, of yeah, Russia. This is... <laughs> <laughs> That's a bad actually. Yeah, okay. This is the Andrew Tate of Russia. Okay. So we're going to go ahead and I'm going to play some sections of this for you because, and then we're going to talk about it because this guy, for the most part, you already know, he talks about uh, destroying the world, taking over the world, taking over Poland, taking over the world. That's pretty much what, how it goes in order, right? On a daily basis from this guy. That's pretty much it. It's just a regurgitated shit all day. That's pretty much it. All right. So let's go ahead. I'm going to play this bit for you and I want you to tell me. We'll talk around the, the thought process here. I, probably, I need to get a big screen. If Willie, if you ever join me here ever again, I'm going to have a 68-inch screen right there so we can just watch together. Luckily, there's there's Actually, matter of fact, there is a TV right there. there. It probably should have been, yeah. Yeah, you've got a lot of TVs floating around here. I, well. I'm yeah, taking one home on the plane. What's that? I'm taking one home. Carry on. <laughs> 15 kilos international. We're good. Oh, just like my God. This. Save me some money on shipping. What are we preparing? What are we not understanding? Идет полномасштабная Третья мировая война. А мы не наносим удары по территории НАТО, потому что говорим, нет, подождите, тогда НАТО влезет. Чем еще? Но теперь они влезают танками. Вот Польша уже заявила. И не важно, сколько этих танков, там 14 там танковые роты. Не важно, сколько до Англии. То есть для нас 
Красная линия должна быть простая. Франция дала то, что они называют колесными танками. Наши эксперты говорят, ну какие это танки, это фигня. Неважно, это колесные танки. Франция, Польша приняла решение, Британия приняла решение. Поэтому любая военная цель на территории Франции, Польши и Британии мы должны официально объявить, являются для нас легитимными целями для нанесения ударов. Okay, so now, so now that you've seen that little piece, mm. I, what did I tell you he's always talking about? Taking over the entire well, world. And he's always, going, world, he's, he's always going after France. Fully-fledged. Well, look, yeah, always I, can't, goes, I, I can't blame anyone for taking the piss out of France. He goes so straight enough. to France every single time. Oh. Every time, you know what? Screw France, take them off the planet. Yeah, but so do I. No, <laughs> but the fully-fledged World War Three, well, fully-fledged World War Three would have waved for an instant. We would have seen the sun and then nothing. A little bit of it. That's, so it's, it's not fully-fledged. And... I guess the whole idea of are these now legitimate targets in Poland and France and whatever else? Well, if 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 you want to poke that bear, like I, you, they're talking about, yeah, you know, fourteen tanks and fourteen tanks. Obviously, well, he's passionate about it. <laughs> well, America produced like ten thousand Abrams. Like at the end of the day, the the military budget of NATO, US, whatever other countries involved in the coalition, is to many times the Russian budget and the amount of equipment, whatever. So it's to, to claim that, I guess, the whole, like, we're in a fully-fledged World War Three and we're holding up. No, no one's holding up. There's no, no fully-fledged. That's what he's asking for on a constant basis. Yeah, but... That's all he has. He talks about this in the Fourth Reich is always coming to play, mm. I guess, right now inside of Germany. So it's either going to be Germany or France. But since Poland came out and said they're going to be supplying, which goes back to what you said, they're actually not really supplying them. They only can supply them if... Mm. Germany states they can and they're gonna, but that's yeah. well, I say can, but that's only if America actually wants to. Yeah, it's that's difficult, but but they're they're the typical talking points, mate. The typical talking points are World War Three, nuclear bombs, Nazis. That's the that's the talking points, and it's re, it's regurgitated daily. It's every other day. It's regurgitated, but never with a clear sign of what. Because the, the problem with all of this is what was the initial. Um, end point of the war was the war initially too. We want to kill Nazis in Ukraine. Was the war we want to take this? That country. was that was the initial. But well, it was never clearly stated that we are going to get this because oh, we're going to take Mariupol and then we're going to go Kiev. Then yeah, there was never like a clear vision of what's happening. So now they're just pulling up almost like YouTube keywords on what is searched for to to bump this up. Oh, World War Three. Yeah, panda to like panic on people. And is World War Three an option or a chance? Yeah, it is every single day though. Like it, it just is something in the background of everyone's lives. Like everything is, is in the background of your life. Shouldn't let it worry you because you can't control any of that that happens. You never know what countries around around the world are going to do. But as far as like France and Poland supplying weapons, well, it, it's it's been happening for almost a year. It's been happening for Caesars, years. the Caesars. Yeah, France supplied the Caesars. Hmm. Those things are extremely valuable. Have you seen that thing work yeah. in action? Yeah, it's oh unbelievable. Oh, my God. And if he's worried about tanks, that thing is probably doing more damage than the tanks have done. Yeah. Sincerely. Well, to be honest, the only... Like, supplying weapons is one thing. If I if I were to put myself in his shoes, what I'd be complaining about is the intel being sourced into <laughs> Ukraine. Yeah. But that that's probably yeah. where they would actually have a point, is, yeah. well, if you're supplying intel, maybe you are helping the you're effort. You're actually, yeah, you're... In the, yeah. Well, they are, that, that, that's helping the war effort more than supplying a damn bullet. It, well, exactly. If, if, if I give you a weapon and that's where it ends and you kill someone, 
am I guilty at all as long as that's a legal exchange like down here in Texas? Yeah, uh, it, I'm fine, whatever. But if I tell you, hey, go get this guy in this location at this time. It's a little different. Then, uh, yeah, so it's a little different, but they're just missing the ball on. Like everything else. Well, uh, like, like most things, yes. But, uh, you know, Tate's going to go. His brother Tristan <laughs> might come on, mate. <laughs> Shirtless. See, that's what he should do. Increase the audience. He comes on shirtless. He comes on shirtless. Yeah, people want to see him walking beard. around. Если мы знаем, что в городе That is how I sound pronounced. Готовы технику? You know, what, you know what? He's still missing the ball here. It's the tanks aren't going to be the reason why they're losing a lot of men and equipment. No. Not like they've been doing that on their own, on their own accord. Mm. Which we're gonna, I'm going to share some footage with you later on, which you're, you're probably going to get a little bit of a chuckle out of. And it's of mobilized men that are calling for Putin's help because they're being blackmailed by their chain of command, which is no idea how this video even got out. Yeah. It, have you have you seen it? That no, sent it to but, you? but I, I I've got to admit credit where credit's due. People that release like if I, if you're a Russian soldier, and you release that? who then releases oh something on God. your Telegram about like Putin, and now we're here in America, and we're talking about that, it. That guy has balls. Like, <laughs> oh my God, Jesus yeah. man, not yeah. anymore. He may not have them anymore. He's, yeah, yeah, he good point. He may not have them anymore. Old age, the next <laughs> old age. He flew out of a six story window just hanging out. He got Willie's brain tumor. So if you guys didn't know, 10,000 is a men's performance aqua brand built for serious training. If you guys know my buddy sitting here right here, he is, look at him. He wears 10,000 on his face. That is, look, that is a serious training face right there. Every day, faster, every day, stronger, every day, better than yesterday. That's Willie himself. That is the motto of 10,000. So 10,000 is designed with function, durability, and minimalism inside of mind. Gear should function at the highest level, last forever, and go unnoticed so you can focus on getting back to your workout. At the heart of 10,000, it is a uh, stoic dedication to continuous and uh, proving yourself on a daily basis. So I'm going to tell you guys right now, the big thing about these things is they're all about doing big-ass fucking ruck march. They want you to feel comfortable while you're doing it. Like, like be 15 miles deep. You ever been on a ruck march? Like 15, 20? No. You know what that is? You put a no. big bag on your fucking back and you walk. The Australian infantry, it's all long-range patrol. Uh, what well, do you think? Okay, so this this is a big thing. So 10,000 is going to be the kind of uh, equipment you're going to want to use on those kind of... on tra- You don't want to have what I would call monkey butt. You ever had monkey butt? Yeah, you don't want to nice. have that when you're when you're 16, 17 miles deep and you're like, oh my God, the chafing's so bad. That wouldn't happen if you're using 10,000. And it is really comfortable and functional. And just like I said, it, it feels like it's disappeared. So what do you guys want right now? You guys want to focus on your workout and not on your gear? The tactical shorts from 10,000 will do exactly that. The tactical shorts are actually comfortable and functional. They'll let your nether regions not chafe up and you're not going to have monkey butt. You don't want that. 
No bullshit. 10,000 works with top strength and endurance athletes to co-design, test, and develop their gear so you know it's heavily vetted before they show up at your door. Hey, right now you guys can kit up and get 15% off your purchase. Go to 10,000.cc and enter code ROB. That is T-E-N-T-H-O-U-S-A-N-D dot C-C. 10,000.cc. Enter code ROB. R-O-B to get 15% off your order. You guys actually get free shipping, free returns, and lifetime guarantees. Now get your ass out there and get the highest quality, best fitting, and most comfortable training shorts you've ever worn from 10,000. What do you think about that? Pretty fucking sweet. 10,000. 10,000 thumbs up. 10,000. Но мы внимательно смотрели в студии интервью Данила Бессонова, нашей коллеги Екатерины Стриженовой. И вы знаете, очень важную, сложную тему он затронул. Тему того, что, наверное, пора уже называть вещи своими именами, переходить к более четким и конкретным формулировкам в отношении украинцев, которые в прицел видят врага, то есть нас с вами, да? А у нас нету врагов. Ну, нету такой ненависти по отношению к украинцам. Мы называем их противниками, да? Мы считаем, что они братский народ. Так вот, Даниил Бессонов а, задается вопросом, а не пора ли уже признать их врагами, Юр? This one is, is, is extremely ironic, because you have the guy before literally saying they want to use tactical nukes on Ukrainians and Ukrainian positions, and then this lady is now stating, hey, they're not our enemies, they're just adversaries that hate us. But yeah. they're not our enemies. We don't hate them. We absolutely love every single Russian. Or excuse me, every single Russian Ukrainian is how they want to, they want to put it. What you're going to see here in a second is exactly how they're going to put it. Yeah, which doesn't really add up with the whole premise of the war. <laughs> like, like it, it, you know, I guess you could claim haven't declared war on Ukraine, but the special, they haven't military, done it, special yeah. military operation. Yeah, I mean, they haven't been super careful with um, collateral damage either. So, so it, it. Oh my God! They haven't been collateral damage without a bit of thing, right? They, they're not, they're not really super careful. Remember the video from earlier with the the tank rolling through a town that is no more, or the that, eastern that side of Bakhmut right fine, now. Mate. That's, that's all right. Don't that, that's it. it. Don't even worry about it. The town's fine. They've got plenty of buildings. They got water. They got electricity. But you know what? What have they been saying for the last few months? You know, hit them. <laughs> And the Chechens and Grozny were, were oh. not our enemies either when we flattened that as well. So <laughs> think about this for a second. This like what you just said, and then you month and a half ago, they've been saying we gotta hit every single power station so they can freeze to death. Hmm. But they're not their enemies. I can assure you this right now. There's no enemies it's, right now. Yeah, it's it's uh difficult situation. It it depends it depends how these people are looking at it. I don't know these people's backgrounds, but it's these um, people? Yeah. Oh, you want to you want to know? Oh, here so we go. No, 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 no. Let's keep going. No, this yeah. is exciting. Send us more. You want you want the rest? Here it is. Ну, вот все-таки украинец украинец рознь, да, есть тот, кто называет себя вынужденным украинцем, хотя является русским и считает себя русским, это как раз тот самый один с нами народ, не братский ни в коем случае, а именно один с нами народ, а есть действительно вот те самые подцепившие болезни украинства русофобы, да, которые держат сегодня в заложниках наших с вами братьев, да, и действительно надо, надо попытаться каким-то образом все-таки их разделять, ну, наверное, образом, тот, кто взял, ну, тот, кто взял автомат, пошел нас убивать, это враг, вот и все, и уже тот, кто с автоматом, там воюет или преследует а наших с, русских. С понятно, а кто не, не взял может. автомат? Кто звонит э, матерям наших военнослужащих и говорит, ваш сын погиб, а он не погиб. Ну, слушай, ну, это тоже который автомат. занимается ну, дезинформацией, который пишет э, да. москаляку-нагеляку, который скачет, который э, делает тени да. под... Который русскую православную церковь изгоняет. Совершенно. Из... Это тоже ну, без автомат. автомата в руках. Автоматы а разные бывают, понимаете? И слово тоже автомат в этой ситуации. Ну, То есть он принял такое. ту сторону, темную сторону. Он с той стороны проявляет себя как русофоб, и поэтому пытаться с ним разговаривать человеческим языком просто бессмысленно. Это враг. 
Просто враг. И причем не мы его определили. Вот смотрите, мы даже сейчас с вами, уже спустя столько времени, все равно пытаемся разбираться вот в сортах вот этого вот нацистского, нацистской субстанции. А на самом деле они нас с вами определили врагами. Да, а, да, а врага надо уничтожать или перевоспитывать? Исключительно уничтожать. Понятно. Детей врага можно перевоспитывать, а врага надо уничтожать. Went from being like normal to like behead every single person. Yeah, it there. went from like <laughs> it, it went. Well, you know, you know how I, as an Australian, always pick up if someone's talking, talking just trash. And this is typically on like American media. When I see it is when you have to add phobe to the end of a sentence or end of something. Yeah. Like if you're a Russophobe, willy, if you're a willyphobe or a Russophobe, you're like, hang on, you just made up. You just made up something to try and have some like discriminatory reference. But in, in the beginning, when he's talking about there are Ukrainians who see themselves as Russians, there that are. is, that is com true. completely true, and but especially in the East before the war, hundred percent. And and uh, but that has flipped greatly. Uh, when I was there talking to one of the chaplains in the Far East, he was like, "Yeah, where we are now, it would would have been like a fifty fifty split of you know pro Russian, pro Ukrainian, or people that were ethnically Russian saw themselves as Russian, people that saw themselves as Ukrainian, and it wasn't that long ago when the Soviet Union broke up." You know, at the time, 30, 31 years. It's not that long ago. So, you know, people our parents' age, well, for the first 20 years of their life, were well, Soviet Russians. So that, that that's maybe how they get caught in that pro-Russia, pro-Ukraine, like, mindset. But like he said to me, he's like, well, but since, you know, this has been going on, a lot of people's opinions have been shifting back to, hang on, we don't want to be part of that. And even a lot of the people going back to Russia, because there are Ukrainians who are going back into Russia, uh, from from the articles I was reading, were people going back for what they believe are job opportunities. So a lot of these numbers of people that are voluntary going back into Russia are seeing that there is more opportunity for work there than Ukraine. But should that add to the statistic of they want to? Maybe, maybe not. But it's, it's just we need to eliminate... Ukrainians, like it's fairly genocidal speaking. Genocidal is an understatement. This guy's literally like he's talking about killing them all and then taking their kids and then re-educating them. We've built these camps and it, these trains go to the camps. Wait, what, what was the last time we heard? <laughs> what was the last time that happened? I don't know. <laughs> oh my god! So I, I want to share this this clip with you as well. Let me let me get this thing full. This is the one I was talking about earlier, <clears throat> where we said that the guy had bigger testicles than you because he was actually mm. sending off this video of, of inside of the trench. So we're gonna I'm gonna play it for you and for them at the same time, so you guys can grasp what is going on in this situation, and we'll come back the entire way through. Just just enjoy this. Sure. Вот такие наши замечательные позиции подготовлены. По мнению нашего командования. Мы тут должны, блядь, жить, Не тонуть. 10 января да -да, 2023 года. 392 мотострелковый полк. 3 батальон, 10 рота. Изначально наше командование предлагало нам переехать на готовые позиции. На минуточку, сейчас на улице мороз, минус 20. Нам предлагают жить вот здесь, во льду. Вот. При этом наше начальство нас шантажирует, не дает возможности в медобслуживании, в обеспечении, пока мы не переедем на данные позиции. Данное видеообращение мы предлагаем рассмотреть военной прокуратуре, ФСБ, вот, лично Владимиру Владимировичу Путину. Считаем, что 
Данные действия командования подрывают боеспособность нашей армии. Минус 20 мороз. Ребята здесь просто померзнут, заболеют. С кем? Кто будет воевать вообще? Мы не успеем даже повоевать ни с кем. Изначально, изначально, когда мы сюда приехали в зону СВО, нам, предлага... нам говорили о том, что мы переезжаем, будем переедем на оборудованные позиции. И вот как они оборудованы. оборудованы. Командование, командование сообщает о том, что средства закончились. Более того, они не стесняются в выражениях, в лоб нам говорят о том, что деньги просто своровали. И сейчас от нас требуют переехать сюда. На минуточку, изначально мы оборудовали все сами в другой лесополосе. Мы покупали все на свои деньги. Буржуйки, крыши делали, копали все сами, лопаты, все свое. Ничего нам не было предоставлено. Периодически происходит сбой с водой, с обеспечением. Командование не стесняется в выражениях, просто нас шантажирует. Мы просим придать огласки, чтобы обратила внимание общественность, СМИ, ну и, соответственно, соответствующие силовые структуры. Ребят, здесь просто наша рота и поляжет, не успев встретиться с врагом. Literally no. freezing solid. No, no, like, no. You know, you have to have sympathy for guys going absolutely through hell of what 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 that is, and that's just ridiculous. I know you and I've both spent times in in a cold trench, or either on exercise or you know overseas, whatever. It's not a nice place to be for a couple of nights, let alone in a war of this scale and in temperatures like that, the conditions like that, with rank that seemingly don't give a. Shit. They don't care at all. They, they don't care no. at all. And funds are stolen, this and that. You hear horror stories of um, when someone's killed, the commander at the time, whoever, you know, the lieutenant equivalent, whatever, doesn't ever report that guy as dead because, well, the unit still gets money for that guy's, you know, paycheck. Yeah. So yeah. collect that. And, and yeah, there's stories on both sides of, of that happening and I can't confirm it on either. But they mentioned in one of the videos of, you know, Ukrainians calling... Uh, Russian mothers and telling them their son's dead. Um, and and that's happening because it's not being reported also. When I was in Kharkiv, this is very early in the war, and we went through and there were all these positions of, of, you know, dead Russians everywhere, and they were, they were telling us, like, look, this guy, we found his papers and we, we rang his parents to inform them that their son had been killed so they could go and collect their, their payment for, like, um, like the death of your son at war. And like we legitimately wanted these people to, to claim that benefit off the Russian government. One, because it's money then the, the Russian government doesn't have. Yeah. And at the end of the day, these are still human beings. They're the enemy while they're alive. It's like with, it's like with combatants, once they become a non-combatant, which w once they're not a combatant anymore, you treat them like anyone else. Uh, and, you know, this guy's, you know, dead on the ground, young guy fighting there for whatever bloody reason. Um, and, you know, they were like still sympathetic towards well, this is still human and the conditions these guys have been living in is, is horrific and you have to feel sorry for these guys just I'm not sure if those guys are mobilised or not yeah they're mobilised those are all mobilised you know, that's uh, that's a hellish what are you going to do what are you going to do say no like realistically it, the same people that have this idea of well if I was there I would have stood up and gone against the grain 
Some of them well, did dry. They didn't pay enough. Oh yeah, I've, I've, yeah. I've seen the but videos of them attempting the, the not to do it. The ninety-nine percent of people won't do that. No, they're the same people that say, "Well, if I was in Nazi Germany, I would have stood up against the Third Reich." Well, guess what? Ninety-nine percent of people didn't do that, and a lot of people have this idea that they'll be in that ninety-nine percent. Oh, you're probably not, and and that that's it's a it's a tough thing, and that's why I have uh, I have no no sympathy for anyone invading a free democratic country. I, I don't. But I have sympathy for the human beings who are living in conditions like that, and those guys will, like you said, will freeze to death before they see any. Well, he he used the word enemy, but any you know other soldiers, any Ukrainians, they'll freeze to death before that. Which is which is factual. Negative twenty is. I don't even know what negative twenty is to be completely honest. Like zero degrees or I mean, I think that's what around. I, I think have no ne- idea. What's that or below? I think it's. I think. I think eight negative eighteen is like zero degree. I, I know America, for some reason I don't know why America decided to use a different. Scale. America just has to be different. Yeah, right? different than everywhere. Well, it doesn't make any sense, which is kind of... Let's have a scale. Sense. Let's have a scale that doesn't start at zero and end at 100. It doesn't make any like, sense. Like, why wouldn't you start at zero and just go to 100? Yeah, it doesn't make don't any get, sense. Don't get me started. It's 100 degrees outside, but you're like, what is that in Celsius? Hey, go, go, get, a, go get a socket for, for a wrench outside, and, and this one's 10 mil, 11 mil. Oh, no, that's three eighteenths of an inch. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. What size is that? Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. know. I, I, I'm not about that. Talking about metrics is the military doesn't even use... Like we use the metric system, yeah. or I say we, the military did. I think it was in meters. Yeah. No one know, and you know what's even funnier? Actually, I say meters. Two different branches use two different ones. Yeah. The Marines will use like yard or meters, and the military mar- army uses yards. Oh, good fun. I'm not even kidding. That'd be good I'm on. not even kidding. Ima- good imagine going to a sniper school yeah. and you guys are trying to have a conversation. And one on is talking about. I had to memorize, which I think it was like. A little bit different. It wasn't too much of a difference. But when you were when you were trying to like memorize distances and you go to a different area and then be talking to meters when you're trying to talk about yards and you're just like, what the f- what is going what are we, what are we even talking about here right now? So we're gonna move over to some mapping. We're talking start in the northeastern part of the country of old Ukraine. There's been some movement by the Ukrainians in an area. I'm gonna show you guys right now. I, you're looking at this too. Mm-hmm. I gotta get the TV going so we can have it up so he can just sit there and stare and watch as I draw. I don't know if that's a thing. Charles could probably figure it out though. So about a week ago, I showed you guys the Russians pushed all the way over here um, to towards Zorichny and, and Torsk. And they had Dubrovo as well. They actually had all this area all the way through here. And I told you guys at that time that there could be a chance that the Russians were pushing and we're seeing the same thing we've done over and over and over again. They overextend themselves for some odd reason. I don't know why they pushed that far or what the whole point is. I'm not on the ground. And it seems like they might have done that again because over the last 24 to 48 hours, the Ukrainians have taken this much ground on the outskirts of Kremlin. That's a, that's a pretty significant chunk. And right now, they're about 2,000, you ready for this, yards from the outskirts of where the, the, the first, like, civilian houses are on that, on that, in that city. So this is a big area. Do you, do you think this is a big deal, criminal in this northern region? Or are you, are you on, the, on the idea that it's not? I can tell um, you why. I can, I'm on the fence. You're on the like, fence? Okay. The, the, the front line's going to shift and change and, you know, where... Soldiers are in some places and soldiers aren't. Like, it's a long front line. It's it's going to remain flex. You know why this is kind of a big area? Because mm. of the, what's on the back side right here. There's, like, railroad yards, a big yeah. one. So all that supply that comes in right through here, it flows into here. I know that when the Russians were getting their tails kicked right here, and or excuse me, right through, when the Ukrainians were pushing down this side, they shifted all their men back onto this side because they were trying to protect this one area right yeah. there. Yeah, so, so it really depends on... And I don't have any anything to back this up or not, but is it more of a tactical withdrawal or mm. a defeat back? It could you know, be that, because we we see a lot of that, and that just you know the front line shifts, shifts. Like zero line shifts back and forward in Russia or Ukraine's favour, you know, day to day in areas. 
that it's just a tactical withdrawal back to better better locations and whether they've been overextended, whether they've been defeated, whether they've been cut off, it, you know, it, it's you, d- you don't know. What you're talking about cut off, I'm going to shift down to Bakhmut mm. area. So Solidar, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Bakhmusk and Solidar itself and most likely as of when this video is being made, I'm going to say the salt mine itself is, pr- I mean, the salt mine's kind of big, but that's very vague. I'm just, Right now, I think... We'll say 50-50 split on the salt mine. I, I I don't really entirely know. I don't think anybody could really tell you, but the Russians have made some pretty decent advances on this northern side, especially going outside of Krasnohora, uh, and Solidar itself is pretty much gone. So now looking past that, uh, we talked about this actually in the yesterday's episode. Solidar we thought was going to be gone. Okay, that's that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Now, and we knew that because the, the choke point that was leading into that city was was in the line of fire of the Russians. If you can't do anything about that, then you're, you're screwed. Yeah. You, it really is. Now, looking forward, this is going to be the next area. Huge crucial right there. Do you see all the, I mean, look at all the, the roads that leading, all the T intersections that are just right there on this backside. Yeah. What are the chances the Russians will be able to flow through there fairly quick, knowing, once again, that this is all high ground right here? Are they going to be able to hold... This this big T intersection area, which this is this is going to be the most important area, I think, right through here. Yeah, well, well, the the Ukrainian artillery positions are still because in the, the day the the ground that Ukraine uh, sorry that Russia has actually made is not very far. So the artillery pieces that are in deflated fire in those areas are on the backside of that high ground and probably not going to have to move. So you know they should be able to you know have that as a DF location and and fire on that. And they'll, they'll have, know exactly where all that is, so it, it may take a long time. I don't know if Russia will do it. You know, you've got to remember they've grinded at that front line for six months too. Um, now the question is, you know, Russia does have momentum in that area at the moment. Yeah, is that going to, you know, increase and then push further? Maybe so. That's more where I'm leaning. I think that the amount of Russian elements currently in that area, they're wanting to push through Bakhmut, through that area, through Solidar, and, and and get on, the at least to then set up positions on deflate or for their side on the backside of those mountains. Yeah, because they, if they gain hills. control of this high ground that's right here, this main one, I guess yeah. you'd say, they're going to have pretty much control of every route leading into Bakhmut except for the one that's coming from the the west. And once you're in there, you're, you're I believe you're going to be within artillery range of Kramatorsk, so, which would be a big win for you uh, for Russia if if they could take Kramatorsk that would be a massive win that's a long way off you know if you look at the ground that they've taken day by day if even if they move at the rate they have been that's months and months away but I believe that is where they want to end up but I, I think in the next couple of weeks we'll see Bakhmut have the same fate that Solidar did because it is slowly getting surrounded on both sides and well, one of the sides has been held up pretty well. Yeah, it's getting it's one, getting held one up. One side is is held up actually really well, and that's that main route. And I think that that's the area it's going to be very difficult because they do have significant high ground looking down like this. Mm. Like it's that's what I mean. It's pretty pretty much there. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be an incredibly tough location. All of this, all this area here is all dead ground. That 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 area is just all dead ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the ability to push through that is. A, a death trap to try and go through. So the the only way, I guess, will be on the north and cut off Bakhmut and then, I guess, surround it by they terms need, of they, no one can be in that death trap. They ground. need to get men up this way, though. 
at they some point, well, I guess they don't have to if they can take on, if they can cut off on that north eastern side, that dead ground's dead ground for everyone. So the Ukrainians can't be in there, the Russians can't be in there, and you could almost have a uh, like a false surrounding by one of the sides, just no one can be. So if you control on one side, you can basically control both. It's it's a very it's a very tough thing to say, but. You know, with with Russia, you know, really the big news of the day is is Solidar. That's the big one with Solidar. You know, most of Solidar taken now and under. I don't want to use the word under control because under control is like here where you can walk around and whatever. You know, in Solidar, there's still be artillery round, rounds landing. There's still a threat for that to be retaken. That's not under control, in my opinion. You know, it's still under active combat. There's going to be mines everywhere. You know, when the Ukrainians have started leaving, they'd mine the shit out of it. Or, you know, they'd know all the locations they're going to fire artillery and all, whatever. So, you know, it, it's going to be a big a big push anywhere anywhere to the east of that. But I think I think Russia will keep will keep pushing. They need to. If if that's their goal, they need to keep need to keep pushing. Spring. Mm. Spring. Spring. Mm. Which we'll, we talked about yesterday, which I think we need to touch on even more. If this actually keeps unfolding, well, I hope you guys enjoy this. I hope you guys enjoyed Willie actually being here. Because if you don't, well, you're stuck with him for another handful of episodes. Either way, don't really care because I like looking at him. He's kind of furry. I haven't fed him yet though, so hopefully he he gets to eat today. I can take him out of the dungeon. I do love you guys. Thank you so much. I'll catch you guys in another episode.